छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Alright, let's get on this bullshit. Woo! Welcome to Don't Read the Latin. We are having a, on this very special episode of Don't Read the Latin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I need some sort of after-school special music to fade in here, but uh, we've got some guest stars. We do. <laughs> My name is Jennifer Lovely. I'm Michael Montour, and with us is uh, I think everyone we've ever had on on a uh, previous Indeed. episode. That is not Don't true. That one female friend of yours. Oh, you're right. Miranda's oh, not Miranda. here. Miranda's not on well, here. Well, I would have invited her, but there's no Jennifer more. Jennifer Lovely, almost. Yeah, that's true. Sort of, that's true. There's there's no more room on the couch. So. But, no. That's that's true. But I'm Jeff Harris of <laughs> Fanboy News Network. I'm Jillian Venters of Gothic Charm School. And I'm Handsome Boyfriend Jim. You do have a podcast, you know. I do. You can he plug will it. not mention it until the end because he has a very, he has a process. He's on oh. schedule. Because yeah. oh, right. I am a professional. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to take this moment he before we get into had this. He a margarita tonight. <laughs> to point out that we are we're drinking wine. Drink behind everyone. And now we're drinking wine. So am I. In the background, we have Larissa Harris. Tonight's episode is being recorded before a live studio audience. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, so it's it's like like uh, <laughs> first harvest. So, I say let's just let's go into the like what have we seen lately? Because I have seen some really fun stuff. I can't think of practically anything except I've seen the first three episodes of uh, Stranger Things, which is and fantastic. I love it so far and. No spoilers, please, because I will be forced to murder everyone in the room. I haven't I actually will started murder the hell yet. out of you. Okay. We, yeah. we haven't so, seen it yet. You know, although I have this very specific reason I haven't started watching it yet. Yeah. Larissa and I haven't quite synced up our schedule. I don't want to watch it without her. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, you will enough. want to watch it together. Jim and yeah. I have watched the entirety so, and loved it. Yes. And, you know, yes. just leave it at that. It's uh, John Carpenter and Stephen King's love baby. Yeah. That was, was the description of it from the weekend was... Uh, it was a movie that Stephen King would have written and Spielberg would have directed in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. 80s Aww. Spielberg. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I hear there is a great nostalgia factor, but it's, it's all the best parts of those movies. It yeah. is. And Will Wheaton would have probably started it. So, it's wonderful. The, the kids in it are charming. The music's fantastic. The musical references that are um, time period specific are just oh. heartwarming. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel happy watching it. To entirely wash that feeling away, let's talk about Green Room. Oh, oh God, that's oh right. God. I, I, I oh. forgot that, that, that we saw that since we recorded the last episode. Nothing. Yeah, yikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. I am glad. So that sure is a movie it. we watched. Um, it was. It was incredibly well made. Yeah. All the performances were fantastic. I never need to see it again. Yeah. yeah. No, and. We went to a double feature at our friend Matt's this last weekend, and oh, yeah. he showed the uh, Tim Burton Batman, and then he showed The Crow, and we made it through the first. We made it through the first movie, but both of us had to be up. Me for recording. Um, and you and, don't like The Crow anyway. 
Well, you don't. I don't like the crow anyway. Yeah. But on the I, I know I, yeah. I saw it in the theater when it first came out, and I didn't like it. You realize Jillian is here; she can revoke your goth card. The elder goth cabal that does not exist is going to have words. <laughs> yeah, well, Jill, we, we saw that together. Yes. You know, so, uh, you know. Eh, I love you, even though and, I'm wrong. You will hold some weird opinions. <laughs> <laughs> that will not be the first time. I know. Oh, yeah, I know. That opinion has come out of your mouth. I know. I do want to return to Green Room a little tiny yes. bit because it is absolutely fantastic. It is the director, and of course I don't know his name because that would... Oh, it's coming out here to know it. Oh, well. Um, it was the guy who did Blue Room. It is the guy who did Blue yeah. Room, which yeah. was the point I was going to make. Um, he routinely, well, how, how routinely can I state when he has two movies, but, (laughs) um, he covers some dire circumstance and he made a very, I I read an interview and he said he very specifically chose this time frame for that movie being made because he said no one was going to let that be his first movie. Right. Because it's too much. It's too graphic. It's too violent. Mm -hmm. It's too hard. But with the cost involved, he had to have a little bit under his belt. Sure. So he completely utilized his success from Blue Ruin, and they claim that he got from that, to make Green Room. Oh, he did. He did Murder Party, too. So, right. I mean, he's done three movies. Um, I did not like Murder Party. I haven't seen it, so I can't say you might. anything. And, and I've heard, I might see it. I've heard it people happen. hold it up as a good movie, but a guy literally finds a Halloween party invitation. When he gets there, it's a murder party, and the people who show up there are there simply to be killed by bored 20 Alrighty then. Yeah, that sounds totally like something that I would do. I'd watch. Uh, watch. Something I would watch. 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 Yeah, not, not do. Choose uh, your verbs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Green Room actually gave me a nightmare. Really? And that doesn't yeah. happen very often. Oh. Well, what happened the night we watched it, my dreams that night were I was infiltra- I was going undercover in a neo-Nazi group. You mentioned that. Oh, right, yeah. And that was just yeah. weird that it, the movie had such an impact that it invaded my dreams that sure. night. Um, my So we were already reviewed it on uh, Fanboy News Network's mm-hmm. last episode because uh, we, we were, were a week off close. from each yeah. other. And uh, when Daniel and I were discussing it, his first question is, compare the violence to season one Daredevil. Because that's his medium for what he can and cannot stand. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, yeah, oh, makes no. season one Daredevil look PG. And he's like, nope. I'm yeah. out. And, yeah, I'm out. and he loves the actors, so it's hard. It was amazingly well done. And one of the things I was going to mention at that party, because uh, it's an outdoor movie night that's put on by a friend. So, I mean, he can have them be whatever he wants. We've seen, you know... Christopher Lee movies, we've seen, you know, Batman, you've seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Um, but they were like, what would we pair with the green room? And I'm like, I didn't say anything, but I'm like, I guess I'll see you guys on the next one. Because I You don't can't, need to see it again ever, basically. No. I, I don't think I could either, I no. think Jim put it best that in like a decade <laughs> or maybe, you know, at the bare minimum five years, we'd run into somebody and go... It was really good. You know, I'd kind of like to see that. All right. Yeah. I'll watch it with you. But literally, I am going to need, like, at the bare minimum, 60 months from right now to, to put myself through that again. I, I would probably pair it with funny games for just a complete loss of faith in humanity. Funny games evening. or maybe cheap thrills. Yeah, that yeah. would also be a good choice. Uh, what I was trying to say earlier about uh, both Blue Ruin and Green Room is... They do a really excellent job of making violence look not fun. Yes. Which <laughs> I think is important. if it's going yeah. to be big violence like that, 
my preference is it for it to be horrifying. Yeah. Because I don't like ha ha violence. That's you know. What- that's why I always enjoyed uh, when Cronenberg did his first couple movies with Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, uh, yeah. uh, History yeah. of Violence, History yeah. of Violence, and uh, Eastern Promises. Yeah, yeah. The violence he went out of his way. He, and he even said, "I don't want to make violence pretty." Yeah. There's yeah. only one truly violent scene in Eastern Promises, but it's completely brutal. And the guy who wins the fight ends up in the hospital. Yeah. He doesn't glorify it, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, you should. And these are great movies, by the way, and I highly recommend oh, yeah. both of them. But yeah, the, they are not. The violence is not. Oh right, we're having a fight. That's like, please let this end soon. Yeah. So yeah, I, I appreciate that in movie. After we watched Green Room, I I did as far as a movie to pair Green Room with. I did like your suggestion of I need to watch your next now, like so, so I can yeah. unwind. Yeah. From this. Nice little and palette cleanse. Yeah. yeah. I think I think your next is a good pairing for a double feature I, I, with Green yeah, Room I think because it it's the same. Concept, but, but it's, it's but so it's, much lighter. Yeah, is, your next it, is fun it's, and funny. It is vicious, but boy, when it's funny, it's really damn funny. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, another really on the light end that I saw that I'm not going to. Um, it's kind of like the Sacraments Little Brother. Uh, it okay. is a movie called The Veil, and it's got Jessica Alba and Lily Rabe, and it's another it's oh. another cult movie. It is a, a Jonestown type story. You know, I think this is a conversation I've had before where my standards used to be a lot lower for horror right. that if I found it at least pretty entertaining, because I kind of, in my brain, I rate from like zero or one is I hated it to five is I loved it. And I was like, if it's a horror movie and it's a three, instead of it being I liked it, it's more I didn't hate it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or disliked it. Because <laughs> um, my rating system is I hated it. I didn't like it. I liked it. I really liked it, and I loved it. <laughs> the immediate, uh, I'm going to yeah. buy this right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think, I, I, my own personal thing here, I think Netflix and everything else should just have a four-star rating. I don't like five-star ratings. It's too, too ambiguous. Four stars. Hated it. Thought it was okay. Liked it. Really loved it. And that's it. There doesn't, shouldn't be like, because three stars is like, yeah, I'm ambivalent on it. It's like, that doesn't tell you anything. Did you, did you think it was okay? Did you like it? What did you like? I, I never think any of these rating systems are, are, are sufficient <laughs> because they only have one dimensional access to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be, because uh, I, I, I tend to think of movies, both in terms of, you know, did I like this? And do I objectively think it was any good? Yeah. You know, yeah. What, do, yes, do I think this was well done? Things. Would yeah. you recommend to a friend? Yeah, pretty much. Who, who likes that Actually, kind of movie. I really, know? really miss when Netflix used to allow not only just the, you know, overarching rating oh, from yeah. the general public, but you were allowed, you could have friends. And I'd be like, this is a three-star for Netflix people. And I'd go, well, what did my friends that I yeah. actually trust their judgment? Right. They thought it was horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> you could see their cues. You could yeah. see their ratings. But yeah. now Netflix doesn't let me have friends anymore. Oh, I'm no. sorry. You can only have your friends elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can have Netflix or I can have friends. friends. <laughs> I, it's a, it's, I'm pretty sure how that works. That was in the new terms of service. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've always used, because on Fanboy News Network, when I do written reviews, I've, my rating system is based on you know, what is a genre, a fan of this genre and a non-fan of this genre going to think of the movie. Yeah, because yeah. you really have that's, to assess that. That's very useful. Because you know, we're talking about Green Room and saying we liked it. 
We're horror fans. Right. A yes. non-horror yeah. fan is going to have no, a completely gonna, different reaction. Yeah, they're not going to watch it at all. And it's like, there, you know... There are definitely people I know who would hate me forever, literally, if mm-hmm. I made them watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember our joke of showing uh, Audition as a romantic yes. comedy? I still want to oh. do that because the setup totally is a romantic comedy. It is. You're a it bad is. man. I, yeah. Yes, it's, he is. Uh, it's so, true. Uh, and my last couple of movies, just throwing them out really quick, are a big addition of Jen's Documentary Corner. Um, I have been on a true crime kick. True crime kick. kick. Do you want another margarita before we continue? Or okay, all right. Um, (laughs) I watched The Perfect Crime, which is an American Experience episode, and it was the story of Leopold and Loeb. Oh Mm. yeah, yeah. Basically, the original story that Rope was, and I think a couple of other where two very very affluent young men. Uh, killed because they were bored and thought they could. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of terrifying. It was really, really well done. Um, watched a really sweet movie called Deli Man, which uh, is a uh, Jewish deli owner that has a entirely authentic deli down in Texas. Um, it, wow. It's just adorable. And Not I wanted to expect to find one. Yes. And it's so funny because his, his younger brother went into entertainment and so I think lives out in LA or something like that. And Or he might live in the area but he's like a musician or something. So he's all like raw. And he's like my older brother, like he was best friends with our grandfather. So like when any time there was any family, like like we'd be hanging out with the kids and his friends group was the 85 year olds. And so he's like Oh God, I'm, I'm killing myself because I don't know what he's, he's a mensch. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Aww. mensch. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's like a little old Jewish man. That's wonderful. Because <laughs> that's how he was socialized. Because that's because that, he was, and, he was and raised he's heartbroken in the wild by yeah. tiny little old, old Jewish, Jewish men. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> so everything he makes is filled with love and, and because it has to be authentic. And it's just, it was sweet and... And he finds love, and it just and and he, you know, because I mean, he spends all of his time at this restaurant. Because anything like that, I mean, the owners are going to be working yeah fourteen to eighteen hour yeah. days, and yeah, uh, you know, it, it does pretty well. And I mean, it ships international or at, at least throughout the country um, because it is that well known. But it was just charming and fun, and uh, and then quite a while ago, I had bought because it was super cheap. I bought Unforgotten twenty five years after Willowbrook. Oh, I don't remember um, that one. Huh? I'm going to throw uh, something at you. I'll let her. <laughs> I'll just watch. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> the fact that you just keep that in waiting <laughs> is very telling. Yes. So, um, they're, they're basically, it was an interview. <laughs> so, and then immediately following that, I watched. There was a like 40 minute in the original Willowbrook. Uh, the Last Disgrace, which is the Geraldo um, original um, news documentary that was done, a news story that was done on Willowbrook itself. And then, you know, but I'd watched them in reverse order because I, I found the Willowbrook, the original newscast on YouTube. Hmm. Um, but I had bought the <clears throat> the 25 years after because I'm that kind of person. Oh, oh, that is why. So there's one other thing I have to share in why... Um, and I can thank Kelly from Crypticon for this, is uh, other true crime fans. I have found a podcast called My Favorite Murder, and it's two women who are obsessed with true crime. And 
they are not they are not historians they are not academics they are fangirls um it is approached uh in a irreverent manner but they are funny as hell um and you know i mean anybody who's starting out the the week you know their of their podcast going and what's your favorite murder this week <laughs> you know and they go they go into history of stuff they, they've been digging up and like oh i fell down the youtube or the wiki well right of this and one of the things that was mentioned was was a willowbrook which okay. you know and and being that woman, I already <laughs> had the documentary. Of course, I just, yeah. you know, I've of course been you did. Waiting on that perfect time to watch it, <laughs> which was now. Which was, was now. Wasn't Willowbrook in some way inspirational to Session? Oh, nine? I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure. I think it was. so. Because I think the design because, of the building because was similar. after they closed, yes, and yeah. after they closed it down, there was a lot of discussion of hauntings and that sort of thing. Sure, right. So oh, that reminds me. My my girlfriend from summer camp when I was fourteen. Yes. Um, she's uh, friends with me on Facebook, and she recently sent me a link to an article saying that Fort Warden, which is where we we went to summer camp, is one of the most haunted places in Washington State. Why? I'm not surprised. And we were both kind of like, oh. That explains a great deal. Now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the state of Washington. You can't you can't go to a state park without tripping on at least over two hauntings. <laughs> so, has anybody else seen anything that isn't uh, in line with our theme in the last couple of weeks that you feel like recommending or talking about? Well, well the movie we watched this last Friday, I think, is well worth uh, a quick shout. Oh, shout out. God. that's true. We have talked about it on, on the podcast before, but I'd love to hear what you guys thought of it. Yes. I I, I loved it. And uh, the reason I loved it was for something that, that Six, you and I talked about uh, right afterwards, which was it's a movie that sets itself up as a very conventional masked killer movie. Yeah. And then just when you think, okay, I know what's going on, subverts the genre entirely and becomes a completely different movie. And the fact that... This is a mass killer movie. I know what to expect. Oh, this isn't a mass killer movie. I don't feel so safe anymore. Exactly. It yeah. was really well done. I mean, everything this director has done has been amazing. Yeah, three I, for three. I still stand by my statement that Oculus was far more terrifying for me personally than, oh, yeah. than Hush was. But I, there were I put them all on the same level. Absentia, Oculus, and and uh, Hush are equally just they he is just maintaining this perfect level of quality. Yeah. Um and of just terror. Yes. That, that's yeah. that's the feeling that he's that good at that creeping yeah. unease, unsettled you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And my other thing that I want to bring up is where M. Night Shalomon Shalomon? Shyamalan. Shyamalan. That he got lost in his thing that he was good at, which in The Sixth Sense was It's a Twist, and became and became a laughing stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he kept throwing that, that well. in, yeah. and the well was dry, mm-hmm. and it wasn't good anymore. And what I love is, why is his name escaping me? I, of Hush and... Mike Flanagan? Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Why do I know that? I, I, Thank I you. The, the, the thought flew out of her head and into yours, basically. <laughs> I meant to touch your arm. It's okay. It's okay. Um, you might want to get her a drink before you... Before you, I yeah. start 
roping her. It's a good thing this isn't a video podcast. <laughs> um, he has pulled out that unreliable narrator yeah. multiple times. Oh, yeah. And you never know until you're in the midst or just past it that that's, that's the ballpark you're in. Yeah. And it fucking works every time. Mm-hmm. And, and there is this, this moment of unreliable narrator in that movie. And you're like, when it happens, you're like, what? He's what? good enough at story construction that you don't spend the lead up to that waiting for that reveal. Yeah. Which yeah. is the problem with M. Night Shyamalan's movies is that you know you know going in okay there's going to be a twist and i'm going to wait and i'm going to try and second guess everything so you never get lost in the story you never get lost in the movie you're always a level of disbelief removed that was my problem with the village the last of his movies i watched i when i figured out the twist from watching the trailer sorry yeah and and yeah but yeah with flanagan it's well here's the other thing it's he yes he does pull an unreliable narrator he never does it the same way twice. Yeah. Nope. And I think he has a little bit of faith in his audience. He's very visual. He, he He's very visual and also really tight in, in uh, throwing out backstory and character development yeah. in very concise ways that tell you an awful lot, but you've got you've to gotta pay a little bit of attention. Yeah. Uh, and it's fantastic. The, the, the unreliable narrator is a tool in his toolbox. It yes, is, it is, is not, not his shtick. It's not yes. his crutch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his shtick is tension. Yeah. And always <laughs> he's good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, anybody, I, anybody else? Nice. Well, I, there are two movies that Jen did not put into her list. Uh-huh. One, I can understand why, and the other one, I, I don't. We saw Star Trek Beyond. Oh! Oh, yeah. It was really good. Yes. I love Star Trek Beyond. I, I rank it as my favorite of the new reboots. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I like the first one. The first one's fun. Second one's a letdown. But the third one it's is even better than the first. Is, one. is better yeah. than the first one. The, the, the best thing about the first one was just the introduction of the crew and, yes. and the cast that they had. But yeah, the, yeah. the storyline was kind of a mess. Mm. The story in this is pretty tight and well constructed. Yeah, and and, and the characters just, are a little new mm. now. They are they are different. They, yeah, they are not the original series cast so much anymore mm-hmm. um yeah they're their own versions they of the are their own versions of it and it's it's fantastical uh and then the other one was uh i showed jen black dynamite <laughs> <sighs> on purpose oh yes i love black dynamite <laughs> so what i'm getting forgot, from this I forgot to write those is down, that you and my husband pete need to get together and watch movies together because <laughs> possibly sounds really? like you two will have very similar tastes in movies and Jen and I will flee the room. You can go. You can go do other things. Yes. That are much more interesting. No, you said you talk about Black Dynamite, and I immediately Jesus went to Black Hebrew Hammer. Christ. So that's. Oh. I'm trying to remember that I love you. <laughs> though, you though should there keep that portions... written down in your notebook. There are bits of there are like bits. Memento. <laughs> there were bits of Black Dynamite that you did enjoy. No, I'm not saying I didn't. Um... And in my teen years, I absolutely adored Omnigachusaka. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. You've talked about that. Yeah. I mean, it's... In, Another great movie. Like, it I've never is, seen it. And I'm trying to remember, there was a movie that you and I watched, or we might have watched as a group, where we were saying it was an homage to a prior genre, and it had both the high points and low points of that genre, because, like, pacing was an issue... Oh, uh, that uh, we are still here. Yeah, is, is, is yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, like, it, it it both suffered from and was elevated by 
what it was paying homage to. Sure. That was exactly what happened with Black Dynamite. Gotcha. Whereas, because it felt, it felt like it was from 1977. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I was watching the movie that came after Cleopatra Jones mm-hmm. or, you know. Just with the absurdity the cranked up a little bit. Yeah. You know, the late, like, it would have been one of the later sequels where, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, okay, well, let this new untested director do part four. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there were parts of it I really enjoyed. I felt like it needed a little bit more, but those weren't my movies. Which what? will... T- hey, that's cool. <laughs> hey, what a segue to explain why we are having this special edition of... Don't read the Latin. Latin. We are doing the Ghostbusters franchise. Yep. I thought for a while that it would be fun to do an episode based just around one single franchise or something. And this definitely seemed like the time to do it. Yes. Uh, Because there's been interesting reactions to this movie that we're going to talk about. I suppose I should say now, for the benefit of anyone who's, you know, new to our podcast, uh, we're pretty outspoken about being feminists. And you may have some idea of where we're going with this. And, and, and if you think maybe your feelings might be hurt by some of the things that we're going to say, we're going to pause for just a second here so that you can stop your MP3 player. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So, quick ground rule. How spoilery are we getting in this episode? I think we get... Ish? Yeah, I think think that we'll be advertising this as a pretty thorough discussion on the Ghostbusters franchise and spoilers ahoy. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And the reason why that segued so perfectly is we had a conversation at that outdoor movie night where Kelly was pretty ticked at you. Mike. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And not because he wasn't... In, in, Look how delighted I am to piss people off. I Even know. people I like. That, that's, well, and, okay. and he was doing it as a... as a. It was a shtick. It was a shtick. Okay. His his biggest grievance is he cannot trust your judgment yep. anymore. Because yep. you he oversold it. it. Yeah. yeah, you oversold and, it. And that's fair. But here's here's my fucking beef. And mm. and I'm going to curse. I, so not only that, that's also spoilers, yeah. But I've had some alcohol, oh, and I am gonna, I'm gonna fucking curse blue this at podcast this point. Is, By the end of the episode, I'm like, and another thing. <laughs> this podcast is total bullshit. Man. It is bullshit. <laughs> I think one of the biggest problems with the new movie coming out is there is this entire group of people, and it doesn't even have to be men, but a lot of the times it's men, and it's 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 it was the SNL. Beyonce, like, oh my god, she's black? And, and, the, and, <laughs> yes. the, and the joke of... But I don't this think this isn't, is for us. Like, everything usually is! <laughs> yep. And people getting pissed off because they're like, but this movie wasn't made for me. I, You're I, right! This movie wasn't made for you. That's, yeah. And, and that's okay, because but there's so many people out there who get pissed off of, well, if it's not goth music... Like, all that other music sucks, so you're an asshole because well, you don't like... Oh. Well, we listen to both kinds of music around here. Country, Gothic, Gothic and industrial. industrial. <laughs> 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 but but uh. there are so many people who just, like, the, the, the breaks come out, everything is fucking horrible, they're miserable, because everything's supposed to be for them. 
I don't know. And, I, I and haven't talked to him about it, so I don't know what, what his no, issues no, 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 no. Okay. Really yeah, no, no, no. All right, all right. And, and this is less pointed at Kelly. Good, okay. Because I got Kelly the impression... was really, like... I got the impression he just didn't think it was funny. He and and, and humor is so personal, you know? Yeah. I, and un- unlike, unlike the people who ripped me a new asshole on my Facebook saying, well, it was a travesty this was made because it's going to be a piece of shit. Fuck these people. Uh, yeah. I know, they, yeah. they, they unfriended me. Good. Um, well, actually, no. Um, the, the the person that I knew unfriended me and your buddy, I don't... I have a feeling he dropped me. So um, my buddy, just, just real quick, because uh, I was discussing this with his roommate mm-hmm. uh, yesterday while we were uh, recording a podcast we might be talking about later. Oh, I'm sure we will. Um, one of his big issues is, I mean, yeah, he had a lot of the same complaints, but his big thing is he's such a fan of the original franchise. He has a hard time with any Ghostbusters that isn't Ray, Peter, Winston, and Egon. Okay, so he's a he's a, a hardcore purist. He's a hardcore purist. There was going to be no making him. So happy. his isn't exactly. so much. His isn't so much that it's. I mean, there may be a little subconsciously of the. It wasn't made for me, but for him, largely, it's well. That's not the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters are these four guys. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is, if and were anything do, that wasn't specifically for him is a cash grab and a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, his his thing he did tell me was he might have been more accepting if. It were an actual sequel, and these were a franchise or successors of the originals. That would have been as opposed to a remake. Okay, where he was fucking pissed off, he didn't know it wasn't. How much did the people who say that like Superman Returns? Yeah, Superman Returns is slavishly a a, a sequel to the the old Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and that's its weakest point. Yeah, that is absolutely its weakest point. If they if they've done the same thing. No. You don't think that's its weakest point? No, I do not think that's its weakest point. I think, I think its strongest point was the fact that, um, oh, God, I've met him in person, the, the lead actor. Brandon uh, Roth. Brandon Roth. That his Clark Kent was such a perfect imitation of Christopher Reeve. It really Reeve, was. Yeah. That it was amazing. I, I can't that hold that as, fine, but as I, the low point. Maybe the rest of the script and everything Oh, else, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, no. Yeah, I, yeah. Brandon Roth doing his, his, uh, his Christopher Reeve Superman. Was the if, high point if, if of that he had movie done that me. in a new story that wasn't connected that explicitly to the to the old I, films I, or lifting dialogue directly? Been, yeah, then it would have been way better. That. But no, so the, but I mean, for the most part, you're right. His his problem came down to the same problem a lot of people have. Because the people that were angriest, they hadn't seen they hadn't seen it yet, other yeah. than the very first trailer that had come out. Mm-hmm. So I want to. Uh, so, no, no, no. People were mad at this movie before the, the trailer came out. They were yeah, mad as soon yeah, as yeah. the cast was announced. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they actually what, read some of those complaints in the movie. They did. That was brilliant. They did, which was fantastic. <laughs> so before we go, you know, honestly, before we go into what we do and didn't like on the 2016, mm-hmm. I want to. I want to go back. Let's go because, off, yeah, because, all the way back to the original. Because I really want to. Talk about what made that first movie so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what doesn't hold up. Oh my god, yeah. what doesn't hold up. Yeah. Okay, I have not watched the movie a million times. I watched it when it first came out. I might have seen it one other time. Again, we'll talk about the fact that, and, and it's been mentioned in other episodes, that I did not have a VCR right. growing up. So there was a lot of rewatch. I did not have cable. Right. So all of those things that you get that rewatchability, mm-hmm. I loved it. But I had the soundtrack on tape. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, right. my God. The soundtrack still holds up as well. But I rewatched it in this last week. 
Holy moly, it's some dude bro shit. It is. Part. It is very dude bro. Well, we kind of we watched it on Friday Night Movie Night what, about six we months did. ago. But you know, I watched long? it with okay. a, I watched it with a much more critical right. eye. Right. And it is incredibly dude bro. Oh, oh my oh, god, yeah. Bankman. Well, here's yeah. I, I think one of the oh things that Oh my god, Bankman. I always want to point out about Bankman. Uh-huh. Is when the script was originally written, when Ackroyd was originally working on it with Ramis, Venkman was written for John che- Belushi. No, Venkman was. Re- I thought Chevy Chase was the one that they were pitching. I hadn't it heard to. it was. It was Belushi. The, the thing is, there's been a whole. That you're going to read. I've I've read so many theories about who was supposed to have Eddie Murphy was yeah. supposed to be Winston. Yeah. And I've heard and, Chevy Chase, and I've heard John Belushi, and I've had I've heard. Yeah. The only one that I know for sure is that the Rick Moranis, Lewis Tully role was originally John supposed Candy. to be John Candy. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, You're probably I, oh, wow. right. You're yeah. probably right. And, uh, but I, I did see one thing where it was my, thrown towards. My, my understanding with uh, with Eddie Murphy is that um, him not doing Winston is a big part of the reason why Winston's part in the script got down, slashed, slashed so much. Uh, and one of my biggest grievances with Winston, because I get pissed when, like at Crypticon, they were doing a discussion of the upcoming movie, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, only two of the... Uh, Original Ghostbusters are still alive, and I'm like, what? excuse me? But the problem I, is, I, and it's I, not, I, it's, I don't think <laughs> it's a racial thing why he's written off as being one of the Ghostbusters. I think because when you watch the, the real Ghostbusters, he's a Ghostbuster. Yeah. Right. But they bring him on so late in the movie, and then he's a foot out the door. And that's a problem. That is, that is the writing. Yeah. That's not his mm-hmm. acting. That's not his qualifications. That is the writing that they didn't develop his character enough. And in the writing, they had him like nearly running like, I will I will take a paycheck. Yeah. They right. had that line. And then also when they get into trouble at the end, he's trying to ditch them and run. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but it definitely... pisses me off because to me, he's a fucking Ghostbuster. Yeah, he was absolutely. there. Yeah. And there's definitely nothing wrong with his acting. As much as, no. as people love the, the, the line of, you know, um, if this Twinkie represented all the psychic activity in New York, you know, it wouldn't be nearly as funny if not for his deadpan. That's, that's a, a big, big Twinkie. Twinkie. <laughs> you know, that, that's, yeah. And I do miss that because I believe if, if I remember what I read correctly, in the original treatment, Winston had a military background. He yeah. did. And he worked in construction and he also was a paramedic. Yes. I yeah. mean, he had, he was supposed to be a really well-rounded Asset to the team, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But when they when he disappeared from half the movie, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that disappeared. The, the, the movie that we got, he literally could have been cut out of it entirely, and it wouldn't affect the plot at Very all. Much, yeah. No. Um, but like I said, on real Ghostbusters, he's definitely in the mix and is an yeah. integral part. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. for those of you who, who don't know what what that is, uh, it's the uh, animated series that started in 1986. Uh, yeah. with, with seven seasons. Yeah. But, but I, I don't want to it's go on the real miss. Ghostbusters. Right, I just want... It, it's not... It since, is hidden miss. Since we mentioned it, if there was anyone listening who was like, what are they talking about? I just no. wanted to throw that out. Yeah. 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 It, is not, it is not the Ghostbusters cartoon that has the ape in it. Right. <laughs> there was... Um, the fake Ghostbusters. Which is... Because that... Yeah, just real quick. No. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I want to stop for just, just a second. I know I said I wanted to talk about the original Ghostbusters, but I am so pissed that it is not being talked about in the media how attacked Leslie Jones was. Yeah. 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 Because seeing the stuff that was directed at her on Twitter of having an ape in Ghostbusters, 
of the sheer onslaught of of racial hate that was directed at her. Why is that not being talked about? Why can't the media admit that this kind of abuse is going on? The, the, the media seemed to want to say, as soon as Obama was first elected, okay, that's it. Racism is over. Great. Everybody Yay. can go home now. And really try to, to, to ignore it as much as they could. The media and, grabbed onto it. They grabbed onto it for about, what, 10 or 12 hours. Yeah. And, and then Twitter, the Twitter guy came up and was like, oh, let's talk. Finally. Blah, 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 blah. And then they basically dropped it because it was all over as far as they could. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's not. Sure because Trump, there's Trump said something dumb and yeah. moved on. Yeah. Right? Well, that, that can't stop the news cycle every time it happens because that happens every five minutes. But it does. Yeah, but it, but yeah, it, but it does. Yeah. Uh, you're not no, wrong. It changes you're, to the next dumb thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you're, you're not wrong. Uh, and, and again, I, I talked about this a lot in the last episode and it comes down of, of my show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's... Th- this was very much... It was a directed campaign and again, it was the what's the low hanging fruit because we don't like this movie. What can we attack? And they figured let, because she's black, Leslie Jones was an easy target. Except it turned out she wasn't an easy target because she's yeah. willing to fight back. Yeah, and that she has a high enough profile yeah. that it did start garnering, garnering mainstream attention. Which Twitter's infamous for ignoring. We just want to deal with it. We're yeah. not going to yeah. deal with it. Yeah, um, but. You know, when it started going, okay, now we're actually getting negative press on Twitter for this. We're going to have to deal with this one. Yeah. Um, and that's sad, but that's that's part of the battle and part of the ongoing battle it's, in social media. It's what I, I said to Jen when the whole thing started up was, I, I said to her, I was like, well, yes, it's absolutely horrible that it's happening to her and it's so virulent. The only bright side is that it's hap- now happening to somebody who is, who is famous enough that it will actually like get noticed by yeah. the larger society. Because there are so many society. people who have absolutely left Twitter because yeah. it is a cesspit. So oh, no. so many so many yeah. women who have had abuse hurled at them, but because nobody knows who they are, it could give two craps. Exactly. You know, but now it's somebody from Saturday Night Live that has a big movie, so now it's a it's an now issue. we should care about abuse it's, and it's, harassment it's, and racism. It's sad, but oh. it's. Since, since you mentioned Saturday Night Live, I, I, the, 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 the criticism of the new movie that cracks me up the most are the people who are like, they just got some SNL actors to be in it. And I'm like, oh, you uh, sweet summer child. Well, it's true. They didn't have <laughs> it, nearly it enough true. SCTV actors. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. Well, in this day and age, it wouldn't be SCTV. It would be... Um, like Second City. Not Second City. It would be... Uh, um, like Mad TV, the, the or, underground. Oh, Jesus, uh, oh, Mad TV is no, it'd be the Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or or frankly, somebody from the Daily Show because that's yeah. yeah. Actually, it's true. There was somebody from the Daily Show in it. Is there? Yeah, the guy, the the graffiti artist in the tunnel. Is, oh, is, is, okay, is, is, he was very funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love. Yeah, yeah. He's like. <laughs> yes, so that was that was that, that's a visual you joke know. that will translate really well. It'll but translate our, our the, the, the thing with the gorilla. So, so the original Ghostbusters. There was sass there, in case you were wondering. The original <laughs> unseen sass because it was in the nineteen seventies. It was a live action kids TV show with with Forrest Tucker and Larry Storch from the F Troop mm-hmm. and a guy in a gorilla costume. Yep, right. And they were the that was the original Ghostbusters show. Some people say that that on some level the movie was partially borrowing from it, but it's really not. It's really not. It, it just, just it was a good title. name to use. And uh, 
when the movie became popular, the owners of the original Ghostbusters franchise, let's make a cartoon. And so they did a cartoon sequel, which is why the cartoon we're talking about is called The Real Ghostbusters. Yep. Okay. Because the other one was airing at the same time yeah. with the uh, with the Ghostbusters. And they were calling themselves the original Ghostbusters. Well, they, just, they were just called Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters, right. Yeah. Let's go. Because they, they were cashing in, basically. Yeah. Now, you, you, you want to talk about cash grab. <laughs> Yeah, that was a cash grab. That was a cash grab. That was an honest yeah. cash grab. Yeah. So before we we go past the original Ghostbusters movie, I want you to, I want handsome boyfriend Jim to have a little say because you haven't spoken up that much. And when I asked him to watch the original movie with me, he's like, "That used to be my go-to movie that I would throw in all the time, and, and I have seen it so much that I don't, I don't need to see it right now." Then, during the third rectification of the Voldrani, it appeared as a giant moving torg. Many shoves and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. I used to know that entire speech because when I was in grade school and junior high, I was it was uh, the movie that the, the teachers would throw in when there was an empty time slot for right. something. So they'd throw that movie on. Um, so yeah, I knew it. But Your teachers were nicer than mine. The only shows that we sh- we saw at school, that was how I saw Charlotte's Web in third grade. In fifth grade, I saw um, Where the Red Fern Grows, because apparently they liked fucking me up. <laughs> <laughs> old Yeller. There you go. There might have been an Old Yeller in there, too, because apparently making me cry at school was the cool thing to do. They didn't really do this when I was at school because movies hadn't been invented yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so... They called them shadow puppers. They called them flickers. (laughs) The guy in the piano. Hey, hey, I saw Roots as a film strip. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know what a film strip is... Oh, my God, in second grade, we had the it is it is a series basically a, it's it's a, a, it's like a film you know we with a, with a still image <laughs> that instead of like running it fast enough that the still images appear to move it's basically a slideshow yeah. that has an audio track to it and every and at certain uh, intervals it would automatically know that it needed to advance the film to the next image yep, yep. and so you just play it so it had an audio track but then a still image would appear every now that's how i saw roots Film oh, strip. Mary oh, see, for, for me, film strips didn't automatically advance. There, 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 was there a, had to be something. There, there's like when you when you hear the horrible beeping noise, you know, press the button, ah, and yeah. and that was. Uh, and it so, was a special treat if you were selected to be the person yeah. who got the power of pressing the button. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ghostbusters. Uh, oh yeah, we're talking about Ghostbusters. Yeah. So Ghostbusters. <laughs> Uh, I have seen it so many old. times that I don't really didn't really feel the need to watch it again because as I know it, but. Uh, Peter Venkman is a character in that movie that was a... And this is the thing. Remember that all of those characters were, were in, in their own way, like at least two of them were really big nerds. So the, the, the nerds for us and, I, you know, people that were born in the late 70s to early 80s uh, are, were not as mainstream as they are now. Yeah. And so we still were massively the, the outcasts. And... Someone like Peter Venkman was the kind of cool person that nerds aspired to be. So the sad thing is that, P- and I think, this is I the, think Peter Venkman is the birth of the dude bro. Peter Venkman has a lot to answer for for modern society. Yeah, because he is a terrible. He's 
Oh, there's no kiss. He's just harassing Dana over and Showing over again. Showing up outside her work. Trying to trying to pressure her into a date. Yeah. Trying to to hold all these things over her and just he is terrible. But he was the the formative cool and he's guy experience. Her into a relationship. Yes, I, I would say the formative cool guy experience for Nerds has to have been Chris Knight from Real Genius. No, he doesn't. Not, but he doesn't force anybody. He yeah, doesn't. no, but but but. Talk, well, yes. But okay. I, I can understand that. But the, yeah. for the for at least as far as being the ladies' man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Being yeah, the yeah. ladies' cool ladies' man, it's Peter Venkman. True. True. And Peter Venkman is a terrible a, role model. It is, but I think there is this whole section of maleness of a certain age that imprinted. Really hard. Which we imprinted really hard, and we are seeing the douchebaggery yeah. of the, the, that the movie included a, a blowjob joke from a ghost. From a yeah. ghost. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's a it's 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 definitely an all male writing team at a time when all male writing teams permissive. were not uncommon at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that was how it was done was male comedy teams, and and that was so the the, the brand of humor. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that it. It rides. It rides to me still, where it's a little uncomfortably chauvinistic. To me, it's still watchable. It's oh yeah, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of media I have utterly lost from that time. It that's what I love. It doesn't make mm-hmm. me feel like I have to go into the full explanation of yes, this fave is problematic. I am aware of that. Let me unpack the reasons yeah. I still like it. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't feel as, say, defensive about Ghostbusters as I do about the fact that I still like the music of Molly Crew. Yeah. But, uh, but there, yeah, okay, fair. I, I, I've been, been increasingly coming to the same conclusion about Van Halen. Van Halen has always been one of my favorite bands, and I've been starting to re-listen to some of the old stuff and listen to the lyrics oh, a little more, and I'm like, Diamond that's, Dave. that's yeah. not okay. That's not okay. And, and that's not okay. Oh, There's oh. so much of this that isn't okay. Yeah. Yes. But the guitar parts. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. hair. And, and the, the hair. And the loss. Yeah. And, and Ghostbusters is a legitimately funny movie. It's yes. extremely well-crafted. It is. Mm-hmm. It's they, Those guys, those were three guys that you know, well, two of them that wrote it, but and the, the three actors that are in it, they are really good at their craft, and so there's nothing to to say. You, know, you can't say that it's a terrible movie. It is a product of its time. It is it a is. product of its time, yeah. and there are parts where now you look at them and you kind of go, "Oh, that's oh. really, really, so, we're doing that." But, but it so, was the kind of humor that was in the zeitgeist at the time. Absolutely. So, so where I want to say. <laughs> I ha- you got some spleening to do because where all those men imprinted on on Bankman? Oh my God, problematic nerd men! I blame you, Egon. I blame really? You. Oh, I had a crush on Egon. I had a crush on cartoon Egon. Right. And I have a had a crush on Spock. Really, really brilliant, complicated. <laughs> Um, emotionally unavailable well, men yeah. god <laughs> fucking damn you alright yes. I, see, I, see oh. I see where the problematic part comes yes. in <sighs> I imprinted you 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 started little flames and then young burgeoning adolescence gen see, what, spies but, and I yeah, you have some explaining to, to do to a certain extent Egon was the one that I wanted to be more more than more than Bankman <laughs> I, I, I will still to this day say things like no I'm sorry I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought you know just just there's so much the of crush oh yeah. my god the crush there, there, there's which, so many divines reached that, its apex which I've never seen knocked up but I have. 
he's in Knocked Up as this loving parent, and he's the doctor in uh, what's the um, Jack Nicholson Helen Hunt movie? Oh, uh, Good as It Gets. As Good as It Gets. He's the doctor who shows up, and I just like even when he got even even older and graying and heavy set, I just like panties poof and I just wanted to love him and it knocked up the only thing I've seen is that conversation with his son where he's like I got her pregnant I'm gonna be a grandfather you're you're saying this like it's a good thing this is this is a mitzvah this is wonderful this is this is this is happy news well no this is terrible he's like He's like, no, when you came into my life, so you're saying my birth was one of the best things. Yes, it was absolutely one of the best things that's ever happened to me. He's like, you're wrong in the head. He's like, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love you. And then it goes to the woman, and her mother's played by like Jane Curtin or something, where she's like, well, you could get this taken care of. <laughs> you don't want to turn out like your sister. And I haven't wow. seen the whole movie. I'm just going from this one scene. Right. But like right there, I'm like, Harold Ramis was just the most... I, and I know I only know him. I only know him from film, but I loved him. Yeah, I loved him. I, I I just just wanted to say since you mentioned it, that I've always thought that that titling your movie as good as it gets is like handing the critics a crowbar and saying just fuck me up. Yep. Pretty much. So do we go to Ghostbusters two or do we go to Did you, Jeff? You. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So here's the thing, yeah. I with with the Vinkman thing, sure. I mean, he was the the lesson of just keep trying. You can wear her down. Uh, yeah. That's all I want to say about it. Interestingly, Which was kind of romantic. At interestingly, the time how it was I there's a lot of movies he treated it as I, yeah. I think now that, you know it's stalking. Yeah. <laughs> that that you, we we've talked about Peter. We talked about Egon. We didn't. But I honestly was the guy that was was there for Ray. Oh. You know, it okay. was because because Ray was Ray. the. Ray was the, the when, yeah, because Ray was the guy that's like, I, I, we're gonna do a thing. I yeah. liken him to Tui, where in this in in the Star Wars franchise, they were like, well, you know, the the young girls they liked Luke, and the older girls they liked Han, but all the girls loved Chewie. Yeah, and it's it's everybody like you know, there's the nerdy nerds that liked. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to unpack that one. <laughs> so. You know, and, what? and I'm the guy that I knew you liked your man Harry, but I had no idea. And, and <laughs> I'm the guy that one of my early role playing game man. groups was uh, I played the Ghostbusters role playing game. Oh yeah, with yeah. the Westing games with well, my friends. I I just found that in my stuff. It's and I will send you the picture and the cover. Yes, excellent. Please do. I remember I my character because because you had to take a character motivation, and the character motivations you could choose from were clearly mapped to the four Ghostbusters because mm-hmm. it was Make Money, which was Winston, uh, Get Girls, which was Vakeman, Soulless Science, which was Egon, <laughs> and Serve Humanity, which was Ray. Yeah. And I remember my okay. character picked Serve Humanity. Uh, also, just real quick, when we as we get into the, the, the two, uh, 2016 version, a lot of the advanced weaponry they had in this one were pulled directly from a supplement from the role Oh, really? Game, okay. Uh, which fun. I thought was amazing. It's like, the ghost grenade. <laughs> oh. uh, well, well, have you seen Star Trek Beyond yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. All right. Uh, yeah. there, there, there's a moment in that where I, I went immediately back to the Star Trek role-playing game. It was like, they did the thing! You know, so... It, so, yeah, the, anyway. the so, Ghostbusters yeah. role-playing game also had the best description of Ray's stance, which is that he is a well-meaning boob. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's so. You know, it, it's the you know. It, but here's the thing. I get the impression that's also true of Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, I also so just real quick digression on the role playing game. Then we can move on. Uh, at Noroscon this year, I was on a panel about old role playing games that hold up. Yeah. Ghostbusters was the first game on everyone's list. Oh, that's fantastic. That's and because yeah. it was. It was a easy to learn and manage system using a franchise everyone understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it it also really adapts itself well to creating your own characters because you know within the first movie they talk about oh well the franchising rights to to, alone go, to, to being to Ghostbusters yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so the premise of the game is that the Ghostbusters have done that they're setting up franchises in all these various cities so the characters you played were characters who had bought into the franchise and were yeah. running their own did little show did any of you guys watch uh, Ghost Heads which uh, is the documentary I did I watched on... that today I I I liked it in the sense that I love anything that celebrates nerdiness. I wasn't as drawn in to it as I am with some documentaries. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that might have just been a production issue. It kind of meanders. It does. Um, but what I really loved is all of these ghost heads who form these local chapters in different states. One of the things I love is all of their uniforms have their last names. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they are the Ghostbuster. Yeah. And, and when yeah. you mentioned that, you know, there was... The Arizona Ghostbusters, the Chicago. I've seen. Well, no, the Illinois Ghostbusters. Them, and each of them have their own patch that they've yeah. created. But that's one of the. There's an. Um, an end of, and I think that does feed into. But the thing is, the ones that I had seen interviewed talking about their their uh, investment in the fandom all seemed really supportive of the upcoming movie. Yeah. But but it was all very personalized. See, I've well, just gone off to a gaming space now in my head where someone someone has to run me a Ghostbusters World of Darkness crossover. This has to happen. Who who yeah. can yeah. I talk well, into doing this? Now we have to figure that out six yeah. permission. Yeah. Well and I was real quick because the something you showed us recently. Um on some level the League of Steam Oh yeah, takes a lot yeah. of inspiration yeah, from those yeah. yeah. as well. So, like their equipment, and they're a theater troupe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, the the main thing I want to say about watching Ghost Heads is I'm so glad I did it because um, I've never had I, I've always been a fan of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. right? But I've never had any real exposure to Ghostbusters fandom. Uh-huh. And all the outcry of they're ruining our childhoods has been my first exposure yeah. to Ghostbusters oh, fandom. And, that and I'm like, wow, fuck these people, right? Yeah. And and so then I watched this documentary and it shows all these these people who put together costumes, who have built the car and are largely using it to go visit children's hospitals. Yeah. yeah. There's the interview with the woman who who was was battling alcoholism and finally found community and support within Ghostbusters fandom. And I was crying watching this yeah. and realizing, oh yeah, that's right. Not everyone in the world is a piece of shit. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> My suspicion with the the outcry about the 2016 movie and the people, oh, they're ruining our our childhood and it's just a soulless cash grabber. I would be willing to bet at least half of my collection of parasols. Those people aren't actually in Ghostbusters right. fandom. And, yeah. and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, this is a massive bet that she has just yeah. placed here. Yeah. <laughs> so real quick on the, on yeah, the they're, fandom. They're fake fanboys. At yeah. Emerald City Comic Con this year, there was a group going around in Ghostbusters costumes. There were five of them. Four in costume, and one guy following behind with a saxophone, going da 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 da. That's wonderful. Da 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 da. 
Yeah. So it was so perfect. That's amazing. Though there came a point where you heard that music echoing across Emerald City Comic Con, and you were like, "Dear God, no! Not again! Not again!" Yeah. So your question at the beginning of this is, you know, what 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 has made Ghostbusters last? I I would say everything. Really, because yeah. it was just you know incredibly talented people coming together, doing some some amazing comedy, some wonderful ad libbing throughout their scenes. Mm-hmm. Ad libbing throughout the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> practically all of Bill Murray's lines were ad libbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the the special effects looked amazing at the time. Yep. And still hold up. They still hold they up. Still hold up because it, it's so a great visual design. Yeah. And so, it's well applauded. Also, it celebrates that, smart people. That theme song can't be beat. It's it, well, it, it does something really I, interesting because it oh simultaneously celebrates smart people and ordinary people. Yes. Because even though they're, they're like brilliant uh, scientists, they approach it as blue collar workers. We're going to yeah. get in. We're going to do this yeah. job. Yeah. One of the one of my favorite moments from the entirety of Ghostbusters is where all the ghosts are released, and you hear that that swell. I believe it's Oh, magic. yes. Yeah. And, like, for the longest time, that was my favorite I, song. I was hoping there would be something similar musically in the, in oh, the reboot yeah. when, when that the effectively similar scene. in the reboot was not. I, we, when we went and saw the new movie, because you, Jen, and handsome boyfriend Jen took me along to go see it last week. Because it was important. Because it was important. Because it was important that you see it, and it was important that you were part of this. I will admit, because I I have the musical tastes of a teenage girl sometimes, when the new cover version of the song comes up in the soundtrack, I, in the middle of the theater, went, what the hell, Patrick Stump? Because I had not been aware of the Fallout Boy. <laughs> the and even as a Fallout Boy fan, that was not their best musical yeah. outing. I, I actually kind of like it. I'll be honest. I think it, I think it tries to be too many genre musical genres yes. at once. And, yes, you're not wrong. And it does with that. not carry well, it that, off. That, that's the other thing. Even about, Missy Elliott could not rescue that song. The other cover in the movie yeah. was better. Yes, yeah. that, that's the other thing about Ghostbusters that's amazing is how many different genres it went for all at once and nails all of them. It's a science fiction movie. It, it's it's a yeah. it's a paranormal movie. It's a comedy and so. It, I, should be a mess, and it's not. And, it's not. and, and that's and, amazing. And I do want to go to Ghostbusters too because yeah. it is lambasted as this terrible movie. But I will straight up say one of the things that I really appreciated at the time, and it's kind of it's one of those things that um, was mentioned in Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, after one of the Avengers movies, where he was like, "Well, you know." I wish they'd talk to us or do something about every time they come down, they fucking wreck everything and it's destruction everywhere. Because, you know, that's one of the things that I, I love action movies where everything's blowing up, but what happens the next day? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like where's the blame getting laid? And, and I have to admit that like having them like be like, yeah, they kind of laid all the blame on us, and, and it's fairly clever. But and, and, and as you it said, it doesn't hold well enough. I thought it was yeah. entertaining at that moment, and it makes me sad because there are some brilliant lines. Yes. There are the mm-hmm. Do Re Egon, like for some mm-hmm. reason I put that in the first movie. Oh yeah, and so I kept waiting for it, rewatching it, and then I was like, when I watched the second one, I was like, oh, and I love, I love that moment. <laughs> and but there's a, also a bunch of other really funny moments. Mm-hmm. But one, boy, some of the boy, some of the lows are or, are low, so well, low. What, what, one thing with that specific moment, though, because because I, I, I rewatched it for 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 this podcast, 
And it's a funny moment, and then Bill Murray's double take at the end of it oversells it and almost ruins it. Mm. It's oh, true. That yeah. I, I noticed that because I actually watched it a matter of hours ago uh, in the yeah. afternoon, and uh, the, 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 the hammy, long edit for him there was, yeah. uh, was too much. Um, and I love Peter McNichol, but... And he is, I will be honest, he is like the star of that show. Yeah. yeah. Because he, he just takes it away. He, yeah. Most of the memorable quotes from that movie are his. Which one was... Wait, he was Janos. Janos. Yeah, he's amazing. Lord Wigo! Where are you from? Upper West Side. Yeah. Upper West Side? <laughs> so is it a movie that would be improved by, the, by a fan edit? I don't think so. No. Um, no. I don't think it's there's something. enough to it. It's it's schizophrenic. I have not seen it since it was in the theater. Yeah. So I, I, I have very vague memories. Jen, Jen was saying that this is a movie that's been been lambasted a lot. I'm I'm going to add to that pile on. I'm afraid because I, I remember this oh, movie yeah. as being fairly mediocre, but in rewatching it, I discovered to my surprise that it's actually terrible. Um. And that that the opening of it uh, with. You know, all the Ghostbusters broken up and scattered and, and, and doing their own individual things and barely talking to each other anymore is fucking depressing. It yes. is. Oh. And that's not really a great foot to oh, start I, off on tonally. I, take the puppies away. I, 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 I disagree with that. I, and here's why. Okay. I like what, because Jen said, it, you know, it's, it's what happened, because the whole movie just starts with five years later. Yeah, and, which was great. Yes, and they're, they're broken apart and they are obviously at a low. And the, but the problem with that movie on, on this rewatch is it's schizophrenic. Yeah, it is. There's two different halves in the movie, and they never brought them together. The first part of it is very cynical. We got sued by every state, city, and county uh, group in New York, you know, and federal group that just to, we got sued out of existence because we blew the three levels off of a high rise. Yeah, you know, the, all of the damage that they did and everything. So they, they, have a, they have a court order against ghost busting. Um, and so it, up through that first part of the movie, it's, it's just, it's cynical. It's kind of depressing. And if they had come back from that and kept not necessarily that, the cynical, but just the snarky tone of it, it would have been, the, it, it, it would have, it would have jarred. Movie. It would yeah. have jarred. Because the second half of the movie is more of, Kind of like Ackroyd's, it feels like Ackroyd's later work kind of thing. It was much more positive and much more upbeat. Yeah. It's it's very much a feel-good movie. You know, they're like, we've got to get New York to feel good, and then they can use the power of happiness to help right. us out. And there's, but there's no middle ground in there. They yeah. Basically, it's it's not a, they, they have a, a short speech about, you know, we, we we need the people of New York to not be assholes. And that's it. And then they're like, well, we've got to find some way to rally. We can use the Statue of Liberty to... uh, See? That really completely lost. But there's there's just... The the, the transition isn't there. But there's a little part of that that touched me. Absolutely. In the period that we do now, that is, you know, I mean, that came out in 89. So it was a a long time ago. And it was exactly five years later after the original movie. But still one of... I, I talk about things that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life is that couple month period after 9-11 where people really seemed to care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and to me, it's like when that started happening, even though it happened, you know, this movie came out very, you know, pre that, like, I was like, 
there's a little part of me that that resonated with me because we seem so hateful yeah. right now. Yes. Okay, I'll tell you the part I, of that that did work for me. The whole Statue of Liberty part did not work. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but at the end of that scene, where what pushes it over the top is the energy of everyone outside singing Old Lang Syne because yeah. it's New Year's, New Year's, that worked for yeah. me. That yeah. connected emotionally. I, 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 Statue of Liberty kind of worked for me, the combination of the music, everything. It's that I, and I listening to Jen here, I think it crystallized my viewpoint, is just that at the very beginning, you see everyone being an absolute just prick to Dana Barrett yeah. with her kid. Oh, you know, I'm, can you help me with these groceries? Ah, I'm, uh, this is not part of my job. I'm just the superintendent, but sure, I'll give you a hand here. You know, it, they're, they're just being jerks. Like she's trying to get her, the baby carriage stopped and people are like, oh, they never carry that theme yeah. through the rest of the movie. You don't, like, the Ghostbusters don't come out of retirement and be like, we're back, and everyone celebrates. It should have been like, we're back. Hey! Yeah, Screw yeah. you guys. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. no one cares. <laughs> and if they just, they just needed to carry that theme through, it would have worked. The, the ending of the movie would have connected together. Yeah. There's, there's the sparks of it. It just doesn't fit in and, the middle. And the best that we saw of Peter Venkman was in that movie. When, yes. When no other adults were around and it was just him and the baby. Yeah, that's true. Because they, he, there is a kindness that came out in him that you never, that you don't see until like the cartoon. They, they that totally the toned him down. Really, they did. Well, but he was still kind of, you know. He was a bit of a, he's still cookish. a douche. Yeah. But they, but they played up the con man angle and lowered mm-hmm. down the creepy stalker angle. He still pushes his way into Dana Barrett's apartment at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But so he's still a douche. But they absolutely played that down and played up his fame and con man and I'm gonna have a show about psychics where I'm really making fun of all. There was one scene that that really worked for me and you remind me of it in talking about this whole New York attitude thing. And that's where they're, you know, without permits or anything. Uh, jackhammering through the street to get to what they want to investigate. Hey, boss, come over here. Yeah, and I'm pretending to be, you know, the, 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 this this road crew, and they're just laying that on really thick with anyone who tries to mess with. Look, we we we're just doing our job here. You took you coming in here, you tried it. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. So, did did you get a permit? Did he say anything about a permit? How about you? How about you, Ziggy? Yo. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, my my big thing, and the reason I've always kind of held uh, Ghostbusters two in a in a bad light is, it was the first time I can remember distinctly seeing a movie where, okay, they've taken the sequel, but they're completely rolling back all the character development from the first film, I and uh, and putting them back in an underdog position because yeah. that's what they think sold. I, uh, you know, and it's always kind of bought, and I, yes. that bothers yes. me. I've seen other franchises do it. But Ghostbusters was the first time it really became codified in my head. Yeah. Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna take the character development that happened in the first film and chuck it because that's not where we want to start. We want but, to start exactly like the first yeah. movie. Yeah. But even within this movie, they, they they roll back. Okay, how much do people believe them? They are allowed to start Ghostbusting again because that judge drops the charges because of yes. this. Yeah. massive yeah. haunting that happens within the courtroom yeah. and yet later on they get sent to a mental institution because they're talking about ghosts. Yeah. This no doesn't make sense. It there. doesn't hold up. But it's with, bad with world building. being sent to the mental asylum that is surely biased from one person. That's true. Who yeah. was caught for doing that in yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, does anybody else have anything else to just say about... One, one more thing that I want to say is just about Dana Barrett herself, the character. She gets a little more to do in Ghostbusters 2. 
uh, where she proactively goes after to rescue her baby Oscar to to rescue yeah. her rescue the, the child. But even then, she is still just a damsel in distress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are there are yeah. no big. When, when she's wrapped up in the hose, aren't any of you going to do anything? Yeah, you know. there's it's it's still very much yeah. a product of its time. Yeah. But hose yeah, there's battle, right? yeah. Well, literally in this case, yeah, she was yeah. wrapped up in that hose. There's yeah hose. hoses. Yeah hoses. That was just one. <laughs> that was a boo. It's probably going to come out really distorted. <laughs> really what distorted. Have you done Michael. But that was a boo. You need to sit there and think about what you've done. <laughs> so the the but what before we move on. What? Come on. The audience loves me, right? There's okay. Who here? Yeah. That's right. We're going to take your phone away. (laughs) So, (laughs) booze before whose? Jim, you may be. Oh my God, I have to pee. (laughs) While while Jim goes and pees. It's intermission. Showtime will be announced loud and clear to get you back to your car in time. So, stretch your legs. Come to the snack bar now. You've been listening to Don't Read the Latin with your hosts, Michael Montour of Bloodletters.com, Jennifer Lovely of JengaLoves.com, and our guests, Jillian Venters from GothicCharmSchool.com, Jeff Harris from FanboyNewsNetwork.com, and Handsome Boyfriend Jim from FireWhenReadyPodcast.com. Tune in again in two weeks for the conclusion of this two-part episode. Thanks for listening.